0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information please visit us on the web at kogva.org
1: Before we begin I did want to just alert you to the schedule coming up uh, and our change of of, of our uh, change of room when that will begin So So after after this week, we have two more weeks of Philippians, chapter four. Two weeks of chapter four, and they'll be done. With Philippians. So, I have this. I have this remarkable phone that is more powerful than my first computer. I can just bring up the calendar there. Um. So, a little slow thing. So we have Philippians today, next week's the 20th, Philippians, then the 27th, we'll finish Philippians. We'll be in here for all of that, unfortunately, um, it just takes time to, we we have the equipment to do live streaming now in the fellowship hall, it just has to be put up, and that takes time. Um, Then... On Ash Wednesday, which is March 6th, there is no Bible study, uh, and there is no morning service, and here's the reason this year, and that's because the speaker of the Lutheran Hour will be our guest that day. He's new, Dr. Ziegler. For those of you not familiar with the Lutheran Hour, it's an international ministry of sharing the gospel. The Lutheran Hour has been on the radio for many years and now they do podcasts and devotions and things like that the new speaker will be in town and we've invited him to preach on Ash Wednesday so to have the most amount of people to hear the Lupin our speaker he will be here on the 6th so no study then and then that's also um, pancakes so we we, uh, act like gluttons and then we repent (laughs) Then for the season of Lent, we're doing something that we've done before. Uh, it's going to be a hybrid of a service study. So um, the service was, the service study was at the same time, 10 o'clock and 6:15. We'll be in the fellowship hall. Next week, probably or the week after, what we do is what we'd like to do in the morning is maybe have some treats, a little a little. Late breakfast treats, and the evening we're doing soup and bread, uh, and we're doing a theme called um, Christ the King. And these are the these are the weeks: uh, the King betrayed, the King denied, the King condemned, the King mocked, the King on the cross. So this is a Lenten theme, and we'll be studying Jesus in Lent. Um, so how that will look is that we'll uh, we'll gather together, we'll have an invocation, we'll sing a hymn, we'll have a big, short little litany. Then we'll go into the study. Then we'll have prayers, Lord's Prayer, benediction, hymn, and we'll depart. So we'll have the, both, the best of both worlds, if you will. If you come in the evening, dinner will be available for all the activities in the evening, and dinner will be extended. So the idea is if, if you come in the evening, you can eat while we were doing the study. Um, it's not like, so we're mindful that some people are coming from work, so we wanted to extend that to them. Uh, well. So we'll see how that goes and uh, we've done it before and it worked fine we're going to try it again this this theme is a good theme and it really helps put us in the Lenten mindset as we focus on um, what Christ was willing to endure to save our souls Lent is a time of reflection and repentance and renewal what better way than to focus on the actions of Christ at that time. So, I will have a little form for you, a little sheet for you to, to remind you of the schedule. And we've already begun publicizing the Lutheran Hour Speaker. That, by the way, would be a great service for someone who's sort of seeking or looking. Um, it would be a little strange for them because of the ashes and the like, but um, to hear him would be a, a good option. So, all right, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you and praise you for a new day, and now this opportunity you give us to be in your word, send your Holy Spirit upon us and within us, that we may be enlightened and renewed uh, in the knowledge of you, and, and extend our trust in you as our Savior and God. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to those online, glad you could be with us today, too. All right, so we're in Philippians chapter 3, the second half of the chapter. By the way, chapter 3 is filled with all the great quotables. You're going to hear more of them today. Sort of the famous, a lot of the famous quotes for uh, Philippians. You may remember from last week that we had a slight change of tone from Paul, right? Chapters 1 and 2 were rejoice and I'm thankful and this is good and shine the light of Christ chapter 3 I would say uh, unravels a little bit more of the concern that Paul has for what's happening in the church and in Philippi so the first part of chapter 3 we hear him talk about the dogs the evildoers those who mutilate the flesh And uh, in classic Paul, he doesn't mince words, right? He just puts it right out there and um, calls out what he thinks is um, disturbing the church. And then Paul goes into this really beautiful, in my mind, comparison. He talks about dogs, he talks about evildoers, and mutilators of the flesh, and then he sort of describes the fact that he was those things. He gives his resume of what he was those very things. And then he makes this grand pronouncement that uh, all of that is nothing compared to what he's gained in Christ. Right? Uh, my, my cousins. No, ready for this? Figure out how I'm related to this person, right? It's my dad's cousin's daughter. So she's my cousin's t- second, cousin. Second, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> <Twice laughs> second cousin's daughter. Twice from the Twice Second cousin's daughter. <laughs> if my mother's watching, she will text and she will tell me exactly <laughs> how it right. Um She was uh, trying to get an internship at uh, this really great place through her school, through um, John Hopkins University, and didn't get it. She was very disappointed. She thought she had lost, and then coming to find out what she was given was an internship at Cannon Yarns. Oh, right. So she gained, right? And this is what Paul's doing in chapter 3. He's doing the gain loss comparison. So all my credentials are nothing compared to what I gained in Christ. Then Paul goes a step further and he says, More than that, anything I ever had is nothing. By the way, Camden Yard's where the Orioles play. Some of you are a guy. A like Scotland Yard. Right, Scotland Yard, yeah. She's an investigator for the Right. <laughs> <laughs> the first little retro ballpark. <laughs> right. right, that's, that's right. first. Yeah. first. Yeah. So, so then he says, everything I have is lost. And then he triples down. And he says, in fact, it's rubbish. Or, better translation, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and what is this? What is this visual that Paul gives us? Which I would say for the modern church and for us as the believer, where are you in that? Right. Where are you? Can you can you say, um, my past life is lost, but I have gained Christ. Right. Past life, I mean by, sinful the things you've done. Right. Can you say all that I have all. all that I am is actually nothing compared to what I gained in right? life. There is where I'd say Christians, well, half of who I am, right? <laughs> a portion of who I am. So Paul really kind of puts a marker out there for us as to where we are really striving to be. Okay, And um, maybe it's good this is coming on the heels of Lent. So that we can really come before the Lord and say, you know what, God? I want to be more like Paul, and I want to be able to say that nothing that I have, nothing at all compares to what I've gained in you. That'd be a good prayer for some of us, right? And then we get down, he's going to bring this on um, in the rest of the chapter. So we can read uh, chapter 3, verses 12 to the end. Can someone read that for me? Verses 12 to the end. Not that I
2: have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of this, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is in their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. All right. What'd you hear? Johnson. Yeah, my absolute, one of my absolute favorite. Analogies of pressing on and not looking back. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think one time when I you had me address, um, can not remember the lunch? What it was? I used that scripture because it's on me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I said,
2: you know, if you're a runner, you got to look ahead, and you're going to stumble and fall. Right. So you got to keep pressing ahead toward that goal.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say the same
0: thing. Just back off that, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And then I thought of um, something I heard about. Uh, I guess it relates to it, like a car having a bigger front window than a back because you need to focus on the front hmm. rather than the
1: back.
0: Yeah. And having two wipers compared to one.
1: Right. So. Yeah. I hope Gail he didn't hear you say that. Uh, <laughs> our our the wiper the back wiper on her car and fell off. Oh. Oh. That's right. You favorite. need that wiper. <laughs> you <don't> need that. <laughs> someone else? No. <laughs> yeah.
3: And yet, I think that I think the definition of forgetting is that, because Paul clearly doesn't forget his past. He uses that to be thankful for what he has now. Um, so it's just not. I don't know what the right word I would pick would be, but like wallowing in the past or
1: Um, Not being Haunted by the past. Stuck in the past. Yes.
3: Um, But forgetting, um, and forgetting isn't something you can will yourself to do either. Um, You know.
0: Yeah.
3: So I just think that maybe when we say forgetting, it's like forgive and forget. Right. You can forgive by will. Um, Right. But forgetting is sort of beyond us. That's sort of got to be a God operation.
1: Yeah, and I, I, think, I think, too, when we look at Paul's life, right, um, there's probably a better English word. But the way, does anyone have another translation that's a different word in your translation? What do you have here? I don't
3: have a different translation, but I have a footnote because it's not losing all memory of the sinful past. But leaving it behind him is done with and settled. Mm, Done and settled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 My translation says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So he
3: says he is forgetting. But I would pretend he doesn't forget the way we would say forget.
1: Right. Right. I think, you know, I've mentioned this gentleman before at my former church who was a faithful Christian, don't get me wrong, but his, um, he would tell you, so I'm not saying anything insensitive, he would say that his Armenian culture gave him DNA just to be argumentative. <laughs> um, I've told you about him before. He could trace back his family business 600 years wow. to Persia. Um, so he would, whenever he saw these kind of passages, especially in relation to God, he would say, see, God's not perfect, right, because God, uh, God says, I remember your sins no more, so he's forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so it forced me to do a little study on that, and um, what it means in Scripture when we're talking about God, so we can put it here, is that I am choosing no longer to bring that up. Right, so if anyone could keep a record of your sins, it's God, right? But he chooses not to bring that up in conjunction with you anymore. And I think this is probably where Paul is too. Yeah, um, I I liked uh, verse. Uh, let me find it again. <laughs> verse
2: fifteen, where he says he he mentions, "Let those of us who are mature think this way." You know, as you mature in your Christian faith. You're, that is your goal, so you're working towards that. And then he says, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. So the implication is be listening.
1: Yeah. And this to me is that's a little nugget in there with all these quotable quotes in Philippians, right? Paul ultimately yields to God and encourages us to do so, which is as, Susan <clears throat> keep striving, keep moving, Keep your focus, but if you should lose that, or if you can't quite get there, trust that God will get you there. Trust that God will reveal it to you. And go, go back now to chapter 2, right? What does he say to do? He wants us to grow in knowledge, because growing in knowledge expands our discernment in the Lord, and our discernment in the Lord provides us the path to remain in the Lord, right? So it's not a bad prayer. For you to come to God and say, God, I'm not getting this. God, I'm not understanding this. God, I can't forget this. (laughs) I can't seem to overcome this. In fact, I would say that might be a better prayer than come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. It might be awkward at a dinner party, right? <laughs> <laughs> to pray before dinner, yes, God, I'm struggling. Or... <laughs> <laughs> i have an emergency call. Yeah, right. It, it, uh, I find it interesting, too, that in uh, verse 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me,
3: and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So he he kind of puts himself up
1: sure. more than what you see in other areas. He says immediately imitate me. Yeah, and I think is it that it's more powerful in the context of what we know it now, right? Yeah. If we just read that passage we'd say, well, yep, Paul's arrogant. Uh, but no, just verses before he just said, look, I was a horrible person <laughs> and I'm pressing on. To, I'm not letting that define who I am anymore. I'm looking here. You should do that too.
2: Yeah. anything, he's arrogant in Christ because he's always talking about how he's following Christ.
1: Yeah. You want to boast, boast in Christ. And by the way, that could be all of our stories. <laughs> right? Um, why not let that be part of your witness? Let me tell you a time in my life when I really wasn't with Jesus. And now how being with Jesus has changed that. That's a, That's a powerful tool. Do you know where that's from? Oh, I'll tell you later. (laughs) I think it's from The Simpsons, by the way. (laughs) I, uh, I thought it was an interesting question. What do you think Paul means when he says, making it his own? Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So what do you think he means by that? That used to be asking you questions, aren't kind of fake it until
3: you make it. Um,
1: That's one way to say it. Uh, Maybe another way to say it, I think what you're saying is um, even if you've only got this much, take that much. Yeah. Right? You may not be here yet. But if you're here, go with it. John?
4: Something that we don't, look, especially modern Christianity, the last verse of what we read here is that our bodies would be like his. Heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. We don't think about that, but that's really what he's talking about, looking ahead, not to your life now, but what's going to happen to you and why when Jesus died on the cross, he died in this new permanent body and, and never any, and he was trying to begin with never ending paradise. And we don't talk about that. We And I think we're being steered away from it by all kinds of things, and we need to... It's hard, but that's looking at it, it's like that makes all this other stuff just... Not irrelevant, but sort of like, yeah, but in 20 years, this is all going to be gone. And I need to get other people on the bus, on the train, whoever it Sure. Is. but where are we going? What's going to happen? And then when you get smashed, it's like, yeah, that's gone, blown
1: away, but where
4: am I going?
1: And, and a runner does that, right? A, a runner... Is, is ultimately thinking about the finish line. You know? <laughs> you know? In fact, a runner isn't always necessarily even looking to the next turn. They're imagining where the finish line is and how do we get there. Yeah?
3: I think that, that he's referring back. We love these chapter numbers so that we just sort of mm-hmm. stop. But in verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then, if you say not that I have already obtained this
0: mm-hmm.
3: or am already perfect, then that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's talking about um, suffering and power of his resurrection.
1: Yeah, hold on to that. Okay. Um, let's look at verse twelve with more detail. Because we're there. We're, you're, you're getting us to the path. Um, we also learn now a little bit of the struggle that's happening in the Philippian church. So uh, this is going to be a very long way, Linda, getting to what you're saying. Um, that we believe now that someone's been telling the Philippians, you're okay where you are. This goes to your point. Um, Why is Paul saying, not that I've obtained obtained this? Because we believe someone's telling the Philippian church, you have Jesus, you're fine. There's nothing more to do. Which, by the way, Lutherans have been accused of teaching this theology. Sure, just baptize your babies, and they're set for life. Right? Now, we actually, that's not our theology. But we've been accused of that. So, so we see a little bit of an expansion of what's happening in the Philippian church, which is once you have Jesus, you're set. <coughs> Sit back and relax, right? Lutheran theology, of course, is the, there's a, there is the life of the sanctified life, right? How you get Jesus has nothing to do with you, but how you live in Jesus has a lot to do with you and his spirit living in you. So, um, so Paul says, look, here are all these things that I've given up, and... The last part of uh, verse uh, ten and eleven, which is, "And look, I'm looking forward to the resurrection to come, but look, I haven't, I haven't fully obtained this, um, and nor am I already perfect, but I'm pressing on." So, what is he saying? I haven't obtained. I haven't obtained the full perfection that is to come. Verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I haven't gotten that yet. I have the promise of it. I have the certainty of it. But in case y'all didn't know, I'm still here. <laughs> right? Um, and so he's talking to them and saying, look, we in this life, we continue to press on um, so that The sanctified grace of God can be a continued progression within us. The Christian is only done perfectly uh, in faith when? When you go to heaven. When Christ returns. Right? Um, I also like this imagery. This goes to Linda's point before. Um, Paul Paul has a whole life experience that he's bringing here. Christ has suffered, he will suffer. Christ has died, we will die. But I also think what he's talking about here, making his own, I keep thinking he goes back to that Damascus event. where, Where Christ came to him and made him his own. Right? And now, Paul's trying to apply that aspect of redemption in his life all the time. Hear me out on this, because Lutheran Christians particularly get really nervous once we start doing something, right? We really love grace. It's like a double stuffed Oreo for us. Um, We just love it so much. But I think sometimes we get so grace-filled that we do forget that there's movement in our spiritual journey, that disciples have movement, if you will. So um, Christ has died for you. Christ has risen for you. Christ lives for you. His spirit lives in you. What are you going to do with it? I think this is a little bit Paul saying. Paul is saying, I have to apply this now to every aspect of my life until I reach that perfect fulfillment in that day to come. So we do have a sense of perfection as the redeemed, right? Because Christ lives in us. Yet, In this imperfect world, that's always a risk. So think of it this way. You all woke up perfect today. (laughs) For a little while. Yeah. (laughs) How quickly did that go, right? (laughs) Or think of it as a professor who starts you out with 100%. How quickly was that go down, right? Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value Nor of precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Right there is where the (coughs) perfection lies in us, that we are proclaiming the gospel and living the gospel in our lives. Linda, Um,
3: that verse 12 is a pretty good uh, summary of uh, justification and sanctification. This, but I press on to make it my own that's kind of sanctification because Christ Jesus had made me his own, that's justification so there it is in one verse that's right,
1: right and I would say to you, this is a good mindset for Christianity, right again, how many times a day do we think to ourselves today I want to make the salvation story my own in all that I do I want to make Christ my own today um, in the 70s, right, 60s, 70s, it was the personal Jesus. Um, and like humanity often does, we took a good idea and went too far with it, right? Because what happens with the personal Jesus is that we don't need the communal nature of Jesus, right? Which is, that's too far. We need community, but we also need to personalize it personalized. Let's keep going, because it, it this opens up more, um... So not that I've already obtained this. I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Justification, sanctification. Brothers, I do not consider that I, my, that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Let's just stop there for a minute, okay? These things I leave behind. My past life, right? He will not regard it anymore as having any bearing or influence upon his present spiritual outlook or conduct. Think about the people in your life who want you not to believe in Jesus. Think about um, not only an unbeliever, but an unbeliever who's bitter to the cross. One of the first tactics that they will do is to say... I know your life. And you call yourself a Christian? Have you heard that quote before? Yeah. Or, and you're a pastor? I've heard that one too. (laughs) What Paul is saying here is, um, those things no longer account for who I am now. And just so you know, Let's do a little pastoral therapy here. The first person who has to understand that is you, right? Yes. doesn't matter what they say. It matters what you say about you, right? Look, I'll just speak for Bill Harmon. I know the sins of my past, and certainly Satan loves to use those to say, you're unworthy. The response to that is, yep, that's right. But he's made me worthy, and my conduct now in the cross in Jesus Christ is what is a, is what is of what is a is what a value is what's of value. There it is. That's what's a value now, right? Uh, nor will he let the rubbish stand in the way, right? So uh, he's looking at all the rubbish and saying, "No, that's not me anymore either." Someone remind me that I'm putting these in here because I'll forget. And then tonight I'll be like, where are my notes? they'll be right here. Okay? Um, Picture a runner pressing toward the race, right? Um, I'll go for you. Remember, did I tell it? Was this in the morning or the evening where I said I needed a bigger podium? Here.
0: Here. Here. Well, I
1: say it again. All right? Um, So what Paul is saying is for the Christian. We're always looking toward the final prize. And you and I both know that there are about a million things a day that try to get in the way of that final prize. The good news is you have it. The good news is salvation is won for you. The bad news is there's a million things trying to take you away from it. And frankly, statistics are that a lot of times those things win. They make you stumble. They make you fall, and in some cases, in some cases, they pull you out of the race, and that's detrimental, right? That's what we're seeking not to do. We are, um, as part of our community partnerships, there is a organization. Um, who's helping nursing mothers learn to nurse their children properly so that's what they're doing next door or two doors down, which is great um, alright so, um, uh, I, I don't want to keep it's easy for me to sermonize this and I, I know some of you don't like when I do that Bible study but I, it's important for us to pause here and say he's talking to me um, so then, not only can my past not be the things that get in the way, but what in my life now is getting in the way? What in my life now is pulling me down uh, from the, the prize? There was, there was this great uh, video that I saw um, uh, for this imagery. It was a whale. Um, it was a, a whale and its baby whale, which they call what? Calf. The calf. And the calf coming up to the water <coughs> in essence, luring these fishermen toward it because its mother had this net fishing netting, all caught up in it and the, it was uh, weighing it down and I mean fishing net, I mean like industrial <laughs> so the, the mother was trying to move forward but the net was weighing it down so it, it's interesting the calf kept coming up like hello,
0: need help." <laughs>
1: But when the divers went to the whale, the mother whale, the mother whale, of course, got protective of the calf. So the divers were in a pickle, if you will. And they showed the video of them cutting this net. And then once the net was clear, that, you don't think a whale can move fast. Whoa, that whale went. And the cow was like, OK, we're going to But they brought the net. They are showing the, the, the fisherman bringing the net up. And it was like a ton, a ton worth of of water weight, weighing that that down. This is what we have to be mindful,
0: right?
1: Because we don't want our progress slowed to the point that we lose track of the race. Let's keep going. Fourteen. This is the big famous one, right? Uh, there's a really great spiritual, <coughs> spiritual. I should have brought it. I press toward the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, so there it is, clear as day. You should underline that. If you want to know what the prize is, if you want to know what the purpose is, bam, uh, it's right there. The reward is to gain the prize, to set your eyes on the mark. Let's go to Jesus now. Let's go to Advent for a moment to watch, to be looking, to stay awake. The call of God summons us not summons us out of rebellion of sin and into fellowship with God that we may continue to run in the confidence of this life knowing that the prize is ours. And of course, Christ is that prize. God has supplied all we need. Now our part is to remain worthy of the calling and to press on to finishing our course with patience and with courage. Hebrews 12. Now, our part is to remain worthy of this calling and to press on. So, what is that worthiness? Let's not over-translate that, right? Um, uh, The worthiness, of course, is living in the spirit, living in the gospel. That's the worthiness. That's where we're found worthy. And so, um, Jesus was concerned about this. Was he not? About the, the wolves and the lions? Yeah. Debbie, go ahead.
3: Well, I was just reminded of this last um, part of Paul's life when he is writing to young Timothy, mm-hmm. and he's I, I just found it in Second Timothy, and he says um, the same imagery. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the highest Judge, the righteous Judge will award to me on that day. Right. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing.
0: Yeah.
3: And I just love that he, he carries that race imagery all the way through to the end of his life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and how we look at it through a Lutheran lens is this. He didn't earn that. No. right? It's just been waiting for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or another way to say it is, he didn't earn it, but what he's saying there is, he didn't lose it. Right. So we we certainly can bear the responsibility of losing it, of messing up in the race, if you will. Uh, The the prize is established. So um, it's not like a it's not like a marathon where you pay eight hundred dollars to run the marathon, and when you win the prize, lo and behold, you win eight hundred dollars. Right. You (laughs) right. Or you get. not that I'm opposed to running marathons. Oh. <laughs> but I do find it interesting, right? You pay an entry fee, um, and then they, afterwards, they say, look, I got this this thing, and I got this, they got, I got it for running the race. No, you paid for it, right? Which a lot of things are like that, right? Um, that's not so with Christ. The, the prize is paid for through your Savior and your God, Period. What Paul's talking here, and in Timothy, is I didn't lose it. Or when I did lose it, I got it back, right? Because that's the other beautiful imagery that I love that Luther shares in his large catechism of this is why we don't re-baptize you every time you mess up. Boy, we'd be baptizing every hour here. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or we don't re-baptize you when you've given up on Christ. Rather, what Luther says, is when you return, he's like, oh, good, I've been waiting for you. Here it is. It's yours. So this is a really beautiful imagery. So let's t- let's keep it on the positive, which is, that's what I want for us, right? I want us to say yes. Um, what I don't want to have happen is, I I got so distracted that I stopped watching, I stopped looking, I stopped staying awake, I got so focused on me that I forgot about Christ. One last point, and we'll go. Uh, What what I'm also fearful of, right, is that that some of us are such perfectionists that it's, it's, it's not the only thing black and white is the prize, right? There's gonna be lots of times in the race. Your expectation should be it's gonna be a tough race. Don't you love those images of Olympics and things where the person's stumbling and falling, and someone someone else comes and helps them get them over? I mean, that God is willing to do anything possible so you get over that line. Remember that. And that's why you said that because I really like the words in there with patience and courage because how many times in life when things are thrown at you, you don't have the
2: patience or courage, and you just yeah. right
1: yeah and why would why would those words be important and, and I think for me it's it it takes a lot of courage to get back in the race and I think sometimes the patience is at me right be patient with me uh, but again I, th- I want to make sure that we know there's a distinction the <laughs> prize has been set the race you're running, is to make sure you stay connected to that prize. by the way, read Philippians 1 and Philippians 2. It leads us to that. Some of you are looking at me sternly. (laughs) You want to say something? Here's your chance. Or you can change your... Great. Smile back there. There you go. (laughs) I said that, and you got more stern. I saw you. (laughs) Okay, 15... (laughs) To Kim's point, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So those of us who are in our, growing in our faith, this is how we should be thinking, and here's where we get another indication of the possibility of the challenges for the Philippian church. Uh, perhaps some of them are being taught the fullness of perfection and already come, Um you know, and frankly, why would this matter? Well, it makes it makes a complacent Christian, right? The call to Christianity is discipline. The call to Christianity is movement. And Paul doesn't want them to become so overconfident in their faith that they're no longer growing in their faith. Uh, however, Paul is so confident in the truth that he invokes the aid of God, meaning. If you're not convicted here, let God convict you of this. Um, Especially if you're being taught otherwise, which Paul knows they are. Um, I put here a warning. The early churches suffered uh, from extravagant claims of spirituality. Uh, Gnosticism is a bit of this as well, right? Which is, well, I know something you don't know. That's that's a real basic former, right? Um, and I would suggest to you that possibly we have that today, and we got to be very careful of that which is, um, I know more than you, so therefore listen to me. Um, well, where where are you getting your knowledge from? Is the first question, right? Um, and what I guess I'm being critical of is maybe certain. Churches that are saying the truth is only here. Um, well, what is again the question every Christian should ask is what what is truth, and the next answer better be what Jesus, Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that that has got to be the next answer, or or we change the channel, right? Um, so what Paul is saying in fifteen is Christians are called to maturity. Uh, and so, uh, and by the way, in chapter three, Paul also reminds us that you're never fully mature until heaven. Lest any of you should ever say to me, "Been there, done that, pastor." <laughs> right? We put in our. We don't need to do that anymore. Okay, let's see what Paul says. Right? Uh, no, we are we are striving to be mature Christians, and to Kim's point, we find our maturity. In the knowledge of God. 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. The apostle is confident that a desire to know the truth in full measure will be rewarded by God's revelation. If you want to know the truth, God will reveal it it to you. Uh, I thought this was a great line from Martin. This was the the guy I was reading for this. Only as far as we have... He was saying this might be a better translation of the verse. Only as far as we have attained, by the same let us walk. So what he's saying is, um, uh, your progress is only as good as what your heart has been transformed by. I should do that's better, I think, right? So we continue to have a transformation of the heart so that we can walk forward, so that we can run the race, so that we can gain uh, the prize. Maybe another way to say it is this be teachable.
2: Uh, there used to be something in the Lutheran theology, I think it was part of the confession, I think it was because I haven't seen it in a while. But there used to be a part that said, increase in us true knowledge of you. And of your will for us, mm-hmm. well, we not say that anymore. I don't know where
1: that is. Um, maybe one of our retired pastor winter off. No. <laughs> Yeah. Say
2: the it, it Dave. increase in us true
3: knowledge of you and of your will for us. Would yeah. it have been the liturgy? It was part, it was part, was part of the liturgy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it, it, it's a Philippians. It's what Paul says in Philippians, right? Because if we increase. And our knowledge of God, do you know where it was?
0: I know, okay. yeah. yeah,
1: because if we're increasing our knowledge, then we then then his will is made more per- perfect in us, mm-hmm. right? So be teachable. 17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have for us. Um, when I, I put here, remember the first half of the chapter, <clears throat> so there's a lot to imitate. Where's Paul? He's in jail. He's still remaining faithful to the to the prize, right? Um, where is Paul? He was a persecutor of the church, he still remains faithful to the prize. Where's Paul? He's talking to a disobedient church to some degree, or troubled church, or persecuted church, yet he's saying, still remain faithful, right? Focus on the actions um. Of Paul in the midst of his challenges. What does he do? He remains faithful to Christ. Um, though myself, though my, I myself have. Oh, I forgot to take that out. That's, that's, I used the same template. So this is from last week. Yeah. But interesting. Maybe it works. Maybe God knew, right? Um, remember who Paul was and how his life has been transformed and who he gives his life to now. Um, who are your spiritual mentors? And who are your spirit who that should be, and who are you spiritually mentoring? This is more for us to think about. Who are the people you look to and say, "I want to be like that in my spiritual life, right? If you don't have someone like that, start looking. And I think we all bear some responsibility grammatically correct to, to say who are we being a mentor to either formally or informally uh, because frankly we all have the call of witnessing our faith on some level so who are we mentoring what's in us to others it might be your child, might be your grandchild might be a Sunday school child or a youth child, might be an older person in your life who might be a friend, I don't know who it is Right. Uh, I know who this is for me. Uh, I think I know to some degree who this is um, as a pastor. But I also I also push myself to say, but who am I intentionally reaching out to? Who I know needs a little bit of light in their life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think we should think about that. Paul Paul's in essence doing that. And I think when you read the scriptures, you find time and time again. That the most effective witness is your story. Is the story of how God is working in you. And of course then the first hurdle we have is this false belief that our stories are boring. I don't believe that to be true about anybody. Even if your story is, I was raised in a family that knew Jesus. I was baptized as a child. We always went to church. Jesus has always been a part of my life. That's a cool story especially for someone who never had that and then you might add to that story and say and I look back at that gift in my life and realize because Jesus has always been there I've been able to do I've been able to be right you can, end you can finish that story as you continue to live it for many of whom I have told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemy of the cross of Christ what's he saying there some of the very people that I taught are the very people now who are leading you astray. And it saddens him to tears. He's speaking also of some of the people within the church that he has identified earlier on are the dogs and the, yes. and, and the people that are there taking advantage of the refuge that they have. That's in right. The community. Now we see the heart of the pastor here, Right. Even though they're dogs and enemies of the church, it fills him with tears that that, that's where they are, right? Um, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross uh, of Christ. Um, Some of these are Judaizers. Some of these are just speaking, they're manipulating the truth. Um, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. All right. Well, we get a vitamin-packed knowledge here of who Paul's talking about. So, um, first would be um, uh, their end is destruction, right? Their God is their belly. Let's figure this out here. So, those who have... Uh, enmity to the cross of Christ right Shown. so the first would be um, the end is destruction so those who are saying it's the law rather than Christ are going to find out that their end is destruction meaning they're not going to be able to fulfill it Um, cutting themselves off from the only hope of salvation in Christ uh, is going to be their challenge Galatians 5 verse 4 You are severed from Christ You who would be justified by the law You have fallen away from grace So Paul here is letting us know That some of these are Judaizers Their God is their belly uh, This is the distinction between Clean and unclean foods Right? This is by the way If he's talking about Judaizers um, And of course If um, uh, with their mindset on earthly things, well, um, circumcision could be one—the uh, earthly, the earthly concept of following the law, false gods. Uh, if Paul has the Judaizers in mind here, uh, they're trusting in circumcision um, and the like, and he was—he's trying to say, "You're in trouble." Yes, yeah, Sue. Um,
2: my note uh, referred to the belly. Uh, as uh, being deeply uh, self-centered. Hmm.
1: Okay, could be. could be right. When you ever have a a hunger fit when you're like really you have to eat when you're feeling like well, like shaky and. Uh, that's hangry. No, hangry is my mood has shifted, and if you don't feed me now, I will strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you open the pantry, and the first thing you find, you just start shoving in, right? You know? Yeah, John. I'll finish you can my
4: analogy. On that, to me, it, 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 it could be, because I never thought of those. I always saw it as, it's like, I want that. Going back to Adam. And eat. Could be. At first, he decided to betray his own wife and set her up so he could safely see what would happen when she ate the fruit. So he set up. And he, he set up. And he
1: broke the relationship right there. Men have been, been manipulating women from the first day, right? <laughs> and
4: he said, it's just, I want that. Yeah. And there's nothing about it. But Jesus said, I don't want you to have that in my love for you, I've decided you should not have that. I want that because think, I'm going to let my want be the thing that, that rules.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like to trust that. Certainly from, from the fall, humanity has suffered from the self-centeredness and feeding its own desire. I didn't prep these two verses well for you, I apologize. Let me do it this way. Let's imagine Paul is talking about potentially two different people. If he's talking about the Judaizers, then we look at these words and say their end is destruction. Look at the temple, the destruction of the temple, right? Uh, or what he's saying is uh, if you don't have Christ, then, we're, then there's destruction. The God is the belly. It is, it is that selfishness of following the law, clean and unclean. Uh, their glory is their shame. I'm circumcised, you're not. I'm part of the, the, the chosen people. you are not. Their minds are set on earthly things, rules, regulations, and the like. If he's talking about some Gentile Christians who have infiltrated the church and are leading people away, it could be a different set of things, right? Um, Perhaps he's talking about the relaxation of the moral code. Um, Their belly would be lust, it would be that craving. Uh, the glory is the shame would be their immoral practices, their mind of earthly things, uh, sensual pursuits, right? This hunger for feeling good. Uh, by the way, does this sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Romans sixteen eighteen. For such persons do not serve our Lord, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, flattery they deceive the hearts of the naïve. So, uh, you know I love to say these words to you. There's nothing new under the sun. Yep. There are people today who want us to follow rules and regulations. And, 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 and by the way, connect that to salvation. As we said last week, there's nothing wrong with order. There's nothing wrong with um, r- rules and regulations. But when they become your God, that's where we cross the line, of course. And, by the way, let's look at this, relaxation of the moral code, lust, immoral practices, <coughs> sensual pursuits. We have that today, and we, we apply those today to even to our spirituality. And what's become common practice is to say, these things no longer matter. They're now acceptable. Um, for us, I want to caution, uh, we're not necessarily pointing the finger and saying, um, uh, we're not, we want to remember the line is when they become our God. Right? Not immorality is immorality. Lust is laws, and those are not things that we should be pursuing. But when these things become our God, what's Paul saying? That's the rubbish getting in the way of the race. And as I always like to remind you, before we point <coughs> the finger at those people out there, we have to say, all right, where have I relaxed my moral code compared to what Christ has called, called me to live? Uh, where have I lusted? And this isn't always sexual lust. This can be lust for anything. The fruit, right? Uh, what immoral practices have I deemed appropriate now? Essential um, pursuits. And, by the way, to the Judaizers. Where have I determined that the rules and regulations and the law of God supersedes the mercies and compassion and gospel of God? we got to finish up here. Here we go. I love this part but our citizenship is where heaven Heaven. and from it we await a savior the lord jesus who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself so i uh i'm on this never-ending quest to get a doctorate as you know and I was doing some studying this week. I'll be announcing in my retirement. I'm almost there!
0: I'm
1: almost there! Um, and I've been, I was doing a little studying on the Moravians. And one of the powerful pursuits of early Moravians in their missional work was that they were no longer afraid to die. They, did not, they didn't fear death. And so they were willing to go places where people wouldn't go because... If we die, we're going to heaven, and that and they were known for that. They, why? Why are you? Why are you as a group willing to go in there? Well, if I die, I'll go to heaven. And I, and I was reading that. I thought, I want, I want that security, right? I want to be able to say, I'm under, I'm not afraid today because if something happens to me, I rejoice that I'll be in the courts of the Lord's house forever, right? And my family be secure because they live in the in the promises of God. So for us. Did I put something No, I didn't. Okay. So for up, oh, man. <laughs> there we go. I like this picture because, look, he's still there, right? He's still walking out. Usually it's just the empty tomb. I like this one because it's like, oh, you got me, right? There I am. Uh, we live in this promise. Uh, we, have a, we have a home, uh, a heavenly home. I like this. But here we're a colony of heavenly citizens. We're a colony of heavenly citizens. And Paul's deepest concern is that we'll lose focus of that. We're awaiting a savior, for the savior brings the final perfection. Remember, remember, they're calling the emperor the savior, so he brings this word in again, right? Paul's reminding them that who the Lord and Savior is matters. Therefore, our purpose, uh, the purpose of the Lord's return is described here, to bring us to him. We look back to the shame of the body. We don't look back anymore to the shame of our bodies, but rather to the new body that we will be given. Ours is a lowly body because it belongs to the state of humiliation caused through sin. But Christ will raise that body and make it perfect in every way. All right, I know we're over, but let me just read this one last. This is so good, and you want to hear this. (laughs) It sense it from you. 1 Thessalonians 4. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and the voice of the, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. A parent came in to me and said yesterday, um, My daughter wants to know what hell is like. Uh, it's actually a simple answer. Hell is not with God. Go to the DMV. Because,
0: yeah, take your daughter to the DMV.
1: <laughs> the reason why hell is so difficult for us to describe, I know we all is because we over-describe heaven. We make heaven about what we want heaven to be. We make heaven our fruit. Heaven is with God forever. First Thessalonians. Heaven is with God forever. And if you're with God forever, nothing else matters. Gracious God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. And that through the cross of Jesus Christ and that beautiful empty tomb, we have been set free from sin. And that the prize is ours. And we pray, Lord, that nothing would stand in the way as we run this race. That we would keep our eyes on the mark. That we would stay awake and alert and and make this our own every single day. So that as we live in this life, we live with Jesus. And when we come to... When this life is over, we live with Jesus. And so we honor you and praise you this day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank
0: you all. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.